Wakarongo ki te tangi a te manu huia, hui hui tahi tātou, fiti fiti kōrero fiwa ki te rangi e, hei mā taki taki hei whakarongorongo, matetini me te manu e. This week on The Hui. From personal images to artworks, Māori are being exploited online. We're joined by experts in Māori intellectual property rights and those who have experienced this directly. Plus we catch up with two Māori comedians who are coming together to raise some puta for the cyclone recovery efforts. Welcome back to the Hui. We begin the programme tonight by recognising the sad news of the passing of Cain Tatai, a man committed to helping the people of Ukraine. Kiwi soldier Kane Tetai had been in war-torn Ukraine just shy of a year. Helping train Ukrainian soldiers on the front line and working in other volunteer roles before being killed in action last week. In August, the 38-year-old Ngāti Tumatoinga military man told the Hui that being in Ukraine was like nothing he'd experienced before on previous missions to Africa and Afghanistan. There we go. Tatai went to the front line in order to make a difference, saying his heart would be very heavy when he left Ukraine. Why is it so difficult to protect Māori intellectual property? How can international companies use Māori art, culture, words, names and even people's images without consent, seemingly at will? The internet has been a great showcase for Māori culture and design, but it also leaves it vulnerable. From filters on social media through to personal images or artworks, there is a real risk of exploitation. News Hub presenter Orini Kaipara and Komatsua Rangi McLean were both horrified to see their faces being used by others for profit. What about the designs by Māori artists who have been ripped off, like Shane Hansen or Weremu Barrowball, to name a couple? Unfortunately, this isn't new. It's been happening for years. It's just becoming more prolific with everything online. So to discuss this and more, I'm joined by intellectual property lawyer and managing partner at Kahui Legal, Lanel Tafrihudia Tenakwe. Also joining us in studio here in Auckland is the co-founder of Soldiers Road Portraits, Taniko Nordstrom. Taniko Tenakwe. And we're also joined live in Wellington by academic and AI ethics and data sovereignty expert, Dr. Kraitiana Tayudu. Tatakuta Tenakwe. Thank you all for joining me. Taniko, as someone who has had the unfortunate uh, experience of having been a part of this and having had your own image used without permission, out of context, without even a conversation, what is it like? Always, What's the impact like? Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, goes without saying, it's not a nice experience. There's mummy 
shame, embarrassment, there's hurt, um, depending on where, I've had a few experiences where my images ended up either just being painted or resold or ended up on websites that I definitely would not want to be associated with or would want, not want anything to do with myself associated with. So yeah, definitely shame, embarrassment, um, and even just fear. I, I actually was really worried about about telling my mum and, and letting her know that I was, that my image was being used in this way on the site as well as my whānau members. Um, it's never flattering. Um, as much as people like to say, oh, you must be flattered, it's never flattering. Um, if anything, just permission and being asked would always be um, appreciated, yeah. It hurts, it just hurts. Yeah, it still feels like it hurts, yeah. even even now, yeah. you know, even after a long time. Yeah, this 10 is, years now. After this has happened, wow. Yeah, nine years ago was when the image itself was first taken, um, and to see where it's gone and just the places that it's gone, yeah, there's a little bit of my mind. I'm definitely not as angry as I have been online before, and I'm sure some of our viewers might have seen that, but um, I think just, yeah, my mind. Yeah. yeah. Linnell, how difficult is it to get your own image things that haven't had consent used, how difficult is it to get those things removed? It's so difficult, especially, I mean, in Tanako's situation, she actually took the photo herself, mm. and so she is the owner of her, the intellectual property in the photo, so she should be able to have it taken down. But when you're dealing with unscrupulous organisations who do steal, it, it, it's just so difficult. So sometimes you can't, on some websites, you can't track them down, you can't find out who the owner of the website is, they don't have contact details. It's, it's just so difficult. And it doesn't matter what kind of intellectual property regime or um, you know, a cultural regime you would have, it would still be difficult to have those images taken down. And if it's by an international company, so in a completely different country, like America, mm. for example, you've got a whole different regulatory framework Absolutely. that you have to deal with. Absolutely. So how, how particularly as an intellectual property lawyer, Māori intellectual property rights lawyer, how do you deal with that? So the, the best thing is just to, uh, most of the top success that we have had for, as Māori people is actually just to call them out mm. publicly, you know, have them shamed, have them um, embarrassed. And a lot of times that's been really successful in getting those products removed, those images removed, those names removed. Um, the, in, the legal framework and the intellectual property legal framework mm. is not built to deal with the issues of mamai. Mm. You know, mana, the, the, mana that's of those sort of issues. It's, it's not built to deal with that, and so that's where it falls down. Let's talk to someone who has been successful in dealing directly with some companies. Dr. Tayuru, tell us about that process and how you were able to do that, to remove some images or even some companies who were using Māori intellectual property. Sure. So what I did is I um, approached the, um, the individuals and the companies directly. Um, I explained in great detail how it was offensive and why it was offensive to Māori. And then um, strongly suggested that they remove their products um, before I, I go public. And um, I, I've you know, warned them of their brand reputation, um, their, their, you know, the future issues to their company, to their, their own um, reputations. And so I think most, yeah, almost every occasion um, the, the item has been removed. Where that hasn't worked, and we're talking about some big international companies here, by the way, so they have a fairly entrenched brand. Where that hasn't worked, what's the next step if they don't take that warning? Because obviously it becomes public, but they're in a different country, sometimes they're not aware even of New Zealand, let alone things Māori. What happens in that next instance? 
So uh, using the online Māori communities is a, is a good start. And then um, when we start making raising issues online, our Indigenous cousins start you know, raising the issues and supporting us. And then, yeah, uh, so eventually uh, there, there's yeah, a lot of chatter goes on um, online. Um, but as you say, sometimes the companies just don't care. Um, other times, yeah, maybe they do. Um, sometimes, you know, you can try and write to their legal departments and just point out that, you know, it's... Um, you know, illegal or it's, um, it's highly immoral, um, and sometimes you might get a reply back. Who ultimately owns the work, Dr Toyodu? And who owns the data? Sure, yeah, so different, um, it all depends. I mean, so if you have your artwork um, copied from Facebook, for example, and Facebook can claim some uh, some sort of ownership over your images on Facebook. Um, if you're, uh, yeah, so it really depends on where the image is or, you know, where your artwork is. Um, the same applies with the data. It all depends on how that image or, you know, the artwork was created. Um, but it's likely that you probably don't own all the data associated with it. Tainiko, what have you learned out of that experience and what are you doing differently now mm. to protect the work that you are doing now? Because you're working with a lot of different communities yep. at the moment. Absolutely. Working with super vulnerable, vulnerable communities. We work with, we work in Te Whareherehere with prisoners. Um, we also, you know, we work with Māori communities everywhere as well as, as, well as Tawiwi and Pākehā, but predominantly Māori. And I guess my own experience, hindsight is a beautiful thing. Um, but yeah, just being aware that that the manipulation of an image after 25% you no longer own. So if I was to post an image of, of our customers, a beautiful image that were taken, say, on a Saturday studio day, and somebody really enjoyed that image and I hadn't watermarked it, and they took it and they just decided to add a different coloured lip and maybe change the colour of the hair, I no longer would own that image and couldn't oh, wow. protect the person that I had or, you know, couldn't, what, aren't able to protect the people in the image. And that's... Some of my biggest concerns is more um, what we do at, at Soldiers Road and what we've done to be able to combat some of those what I would honestly consider quite Pākehā law um, is we give the rights of the image back to the to the whānau members. So the people that come and get a Soldiers Road portrait, if you get a portrait with us, you own the rights to mm. your image. Um, Any time we use it, we ask for permission. We've started to put into process what we personally would have liked um, ourselves and we've started to be able to incorporate that into how we do our mahi yeah. um, and hopefully in the same time empower and educate Māori on understanding that yeah if you're at Pacifica and somebody comes up to you because you've got a cool looking whānau and your, your nan's there with her moko and, she t and they want to get a photo of you, be careful mm. be careful because you don't own the rights to that image. What are you saying to whānau at the moment Linnell, about their rights and protection of their images, their work their whakāhua, whakāhua tūpuna that kind of thing? Mm. Well, mostly I've been saying don't put them online yeah. <laughs> if you can avoid it, which is hard because you want to share with whānau yeah. you know, these photos. I've and made a whole living out things. of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so um, at, at best, don't put them online. But I think if you do enable people to take photos, it's about telling them what the what the, tek, what the tikanga is, yeah. what what put a watermark on. You know, mm. this is being shared for these reasons. If you want to use it for some other reason, you need to come yeah. back and ask for consent. Um, establishing what that is. And, and you usually find Māori too are really keen to let you use your image if you ask. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that initial mm. permission. Mm. Okay. And Dr Tayodu, I've got very quickly before we go to a break and then we'll come back and do a second part with you all. But Dr Tayodu, is there a way in which we can increase the protection for our work through new technology? I'm thinking of things like, you know, chat GPT and how that's taken over things at the moment, or even NFTs. Is there some protection mechanisms in there for Fana? Uh, no, I don't think so at this stage, no. I think it's probably the opposite. It's probably more dangerous and mm. makes it more easier for people to appropriate our, our images. Is, 
is the new technology one of the reasons why we're seeing burgeoning interest in things Māori and Māori images and Māori names in real internationally? Sure. I think the appetite's always been there ever since the first um, colonisers came to New Zealand, but just the internet just makes it so much more easier to access and to, you know, to grab and, you know, on sale and do what, what they want with it. Thank you very much. We're going to have more of a quarter about this because there is so much more to talk about. So stay with us. We will have more with our panel, Lanel Tafrihudia, Taniko Nordstrom and Dr. Kraitia Natayuru after the break. Welcome back to The Hui. We have our panellists, intellectual property lawyer Linnell Tafrihudia, co-founder of Soldiers Road Portraits, Tarniko Nordstrom, and in Wellington, Dr Kraitiana Tayuru with us. Let's talk about the current regulatory framework, um, Linnell. Where are we at? What, are, what mechanisms are in place at the moment that protect Māori property, Māori intellectual property? There are some protections. If we look at our Trademarks Act, there's um, a provision in there that enables um, Māori to object to marks that are offensive. Uh, similarly, in our patents law, there's a provision there. And, and now in our, our new Plant Variety Rights Act, there's a little bit of a provision there. But, but they don't quite go far enough. They don't go far enough to um, protect, you know, uh, a te ao Māori perspective mm. of our cultural intellectual property. Um, they don't you know, this intellectual property system wasn't built to do that. It's built to help commercialise inventions, help commercialise ideas and, and trademarks, protect trademarks. It's not built to, to protect um, cultural property. And so we need a different regime, something okay. different to do that. So it feels to me like we're talking about Y262 yep. here. So where are we at? And, what, and, and I know it's taken a while. And yes, there's been the Kualtea Watene report, the report from the Waitangi Tribunal on Y262. So what is in Y262? that can potentially protect our mātauranga, protect our manarangatiratanga? Yeah, so the Y262 report recommended that a commission be established to, um, to be that sort of regulatory body, but also be a facilitator and an, a, you know, a supporter to guide people where to go, where they should, can get their consents from. That's a big question I get asked all the time. Where do I go if I want to get consent? Mm. I don't know who to go to. Um, so they would f perform that role, assist us to deal with these issues and, and provide a lot of guidance and develop practices that we could adopt. Yeah. Um, it would be, you know, that, that regime has just not even been considered by the government to date. Dr Tayuru, it does take the government a long time to deal with what is happening currently on the ground and as we've mentioned, you've tackled overseas companies directly. What's the cost of that? Not in terms of just the difficult pathway given the limited regulatory framework and assistance, but how costly is it to be able to do this with these companies? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's mainly a lot of time, a lot of personal time, but um, my, my philosophy is if I can help t um, raise the issues um, by using you know, a day of my time, maybe it'll stop you know, other companies internationally doing this. And I think we had a lot of success, with, um, particularly in the UK, with um, beer labels. Um, there was prolific um, cultural appropriation going on with beer labels. And yeah, I mean, it, it took a little while, but yeah, I mean, tens of them got removed off the market and um, yeah, and we, got, we gained um, national and international support for doing that. 
Um, the, the other cost by not doing this is we will just see um, appropriation becoming normalised and it will become so prolific that we won't ever be able to stop it. Dr Tayuru, what would you like to see? Lanel Tafarihudi has talked about Y262 and hopefully something that will accrue from Y262, but what would you like to see in terms of a regulatory framework that supports this work that you're doing to try and stop the cultural appropriation that you've been directly involved with? Sure. Um, I, ideally, I'd like to see the New Zealand government have a chief Māori digital officer, um, someone who uh, works with the Prime Minister, works with Cabinet, and works with all the main um, all the main companies, all the main IT companies in New Zealand, and then you know to help uh, regulate um, the, yeah cultural appropriation and raise awareness of the issues. That had some support, I remember, from a couple of hui I've been at where you've presented, Dr Tairu, <laughs> particularly with Māori communities. But where are we at with that now? How likely do you think that will be? Um, I don't think it's very likely at all in the near future. Um, there's not enough people talking about it. Um, we don't have, yeah, we don't have any MPs, um, you know, um, supporting that at the moment. Mm. What do you make of all of this at the moment, Tony? I mean, you're a yeah. practitioner and someone who's been adversely affected by this. I... So what do you make of what you're hearing? Oh, man. First, Dr Karaitana's words are um, so awesome and so straight point. At the same time, I'm like, what? No, we don't have anyone yet. I, it's, it's too late. Like, we're almost running out of time to protect um, images like, I, like how mine's been used. And I think, if anything, we need, definitely need that exact role that he specified because... Um, it's just not good enough to put up with being culturally appropriated. I've had people say, oh, that's, that's happened to Native Americans, that's happened to Japanese. Well, just because it happens to other people doesn't mean we have to be okay with it. It's like saying if I punch you in the face twice, I can always do it. Nobody would want that. Um, so absolutely, I absolutely total call Dr Kharaitana's words and, and needing a role, a, a specific role. I think uh, when I used uh, NetSafe, I found them unfortunately bound by legislation to not be able to do much. They really couldn't do much to help me. I do think that if some of these websites and companies that had appropriated and used my image in the worst way ever had a government official tagline to that email, they might have sat up a bit straighter in their chair and might have taken some of the requests a bit more seriously. As it stands, my picture is still being used inappropriately wow. on that website. Linnell, is there potentially a way through, you know, there are developing free trade agreements happening. We know we're on the, very much on the pathway with Europe. There potentially could be one in the UK and even there's now talk of one in America. Is there potentially a way through that that we can start to address some of these issues that we're talking about now, do you think? Well, They've started to be addressed, similar to the intellectual property framework, like there's little changes being, that have been made, but they haven't quite shifted the dial in the way that we need it to shift. Mm. Um, it's definitely progress, but we still need a lot more to happen. And um, yeah, like Tarniko said, we're running out of time. Our, our, our kupu are turning up in the Oxford Dictionary, you know, a part of the English vernacular. You know, that's not... They have real classes at You know, it's not, it's not appropriate for us, for our kupu to be in the Oxford Dictionary at all. Mm. Um, you know, because we've just been more and more assimilated and that's not, not what we want. So, um, you know, we are running out of time. We need to, to make changes. Um, the other thing we can do is just stop buying the products. You know, um, yeah. you know the Redskins. They didn't change their name until they lost a sponsor. You know, don't sponsor those products. Don't sponsor yeah. those ones that are misappropriating. Don't buy them, Can and you know, then they'll change.
Linnell Tuffery Huria, Atanico Nordstrom, mm -hmm. and Dr. Kreitian Atayuru, and Tafanganui Atarao in Wellington. Thank you all very much for your time. Really appreciate you coming on to the program. After the break, coming up next on the Hui, two of the comedians making the laughs to rake in the cash, all in support of those affected by Cyclone Gabriel. They are part of the changing face of comedy. Courtney Dawson and Kura Tsurufenua star in an upcoming comedy show at the newly reopened Tepo Theatre. They sat down with Miriana Johnson to talk funny Fano members and flops with non Māori audiences. Two crack up as up and comers, bringing colour to the comedy scene. Do you have any idea how embarrassing it is to have a kavoodle when you live in Manurewa? <laughs> Courtney Dawson of Ngati Kuri and Waikato Tainui often performs as a double act with her dad. It is quite good having a dad that looks like a bouncer in comedy, because it means I never get heckled when we're on the same lineup. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I also never get laid those nights either. So. <laughs> But she's had solo success too, having a few cracks at herself and even her Māori tanga. Uh, I am Māori, but I didn't join the kapahaka group at school, so this is my matatini. Um, all you Māoris in the, in, the, in the crowd, please don't judge me, OK? I went to an all-girls Catholic school in Ponsonby. There's a point where if the teacher running the kapahaka group is a blonde Pākehā lady called Miss Ireland... <laughs> It actually becomes anti-Māori to join, OK? Kiraturu Whenua of Kaitahu, Moriori, Ngāti Parau and Tūhoi is also on the rise. But it's a real Pākehā school, so that's where I learned how to empathise with white women. Taking out the raw comedy quest last year with her signature deadpan delivery. Now, I empathise with white women because I've done the most white woman thing you can do. I dated a Samoan. And her performances always feature a few out-the-gate riffs. When two girls love one another And they put in the work for each other You know what I call that? The labia of love. <laughs> They're joining an all-Māori lineup this week to raise putia for East Coast whānau impacted by the floods. Kia ora kōrua. Kia ora. So how'd you both get involved with the comedy show? Uh, via email. We received an email from Albert and Aroha. <laughs> That's it, yeah. So it's an all Māori comedic lineup. Is this the first time you've both performed with all Māori? This oh. is not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> because we've done an all Māori lineup. But it's the first time that we've really been all together in this space for like a reason like this. What is the comedy landscape like in like 2023? Do you feel like there's a lot of up-and-coming Māori comedians like yourself, or is it still kind of like pale and stale? There's absolutely more Māori um, comedians coming through, and I think the more of us that, that do it, then it, it just keeps on gaining traction. Like a few years ago, like in 2019, if there was another Māori in the room, it was my dad. So yeah. <laughs> it was like, and now, um, yeah, now we've got Kura and Bailey and Joel, and I think that will just keep growing and growing. What about the audience? Like, do you feel that your jokes always land with the audiences? No. 
<laughs> it's a completely different experience doing a show that is either a completely Māori lineup or a majority Māori audience. It's a really comforting feeling actually doing it in, in front of a Māori audience because there's so many jokes that you don't have to explain the context to. You can just say the thing and people automatically register it. No one wants to explain why their joke is funny no matter what the reason is. Yeah. <laughs> either it's not funny or... Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, Māori people are like, I feel like we're pretty out the gate sense of humour sometimes. Yeah. And um, especially performing to Pākehā because Comedy crowds predominantly are Pākehā because it takes disposable income to be able to come to shows. And sometimes they get like scared to laugh because what you're saying, it's not offensive, but it can be like, it's not like a clean cut, straight view of the world. It's like gray areas and things like that. Māori people are happy to laugh at that because they live it. But Pākehā people sort of have to put themselves into your world so they can get a bit a little bit shy like, sometimes. Ooh. And maybe like, oh, should I laugh at that? Like, am yeah. I okay to laugh at this? Definitely, especially when we're talking about being Māori. Mm. They're like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Is that something you guys, like when you came into comedy, were you thinking, oh, we need to laugh about some of our experiences as Māori? I don't know. I just, it just, it is just what it is. That's, you talk about yourself, you talk about your life. And I think that that is something that would happen sometimes when I would tell jokes and I'd be like, I'm a single mother, I'm Māori and I'm from South Auckland. Like sometimes I would hear people go, oh. <laughs> No, that is not the reaction I want. So sorry. Saddle <laughs> hard. Yeah. And I've got jokes about raising my siblings when I was a kid. And um, like this person said to me, like, it's so good that you can make jokes about such a traumatic time of your life. I was like, when did I say it was traumatic? <laughs> I never once said that. But I don't know. I think there's some like projections going on about what people think our lives are like. And you mentioned, you know, Māori, we've got like pretty out the gate humour. I wanted to ask you both, like, who are the funniest people in your whānau or your hapori? Can't say yourselves. <laughs> I love that she didn't immediately say her dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know my dad will be expecting me to say my dad, but no, it's my nephew. Yeah. The kid's so funny, like my nephew lives with my parents and every time I go around there he's got a banger joke and me and my dad are like, bags it, bags it, bags it, I've got it. <laughs> so when he gets old enough to do stand-up we'll have to write our own material. Yeah. I think. What about yeah. you, Kata? Um, the funniest person in my family is probably mixed between two people, my uncle Chris and my kuro. My uncle, he's just like probably one of the most offensive people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> like, like, he just has this way, he says like out the gate things in a way that makes him really lovable. Like we have this German border in our home and he, he, the first time you met him, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm German. <laughs> <laughs> to his face. Yeah, to his face. And all of us are like, <laughs> what's gonna happen? And our border's like, <laughs> like, are you actually okay with this? <laughs> but everyone is just because he's just got a joyful nature about him. Kapai wo tēnā korua. Looking forward to seeing you both here on the stage. Ngā mahi, thank you very much. Can't Shut. wait. 
are there too much, eh? Now you can catch Kura and Courtney and others at the Māori Comedy Relief at the Tupo Theatre in Henderson in Auckland on Saturday night at 7.30. Kwa hiki you'll find links to our stories on our Facebook and Twitter accounts or at newshub.co.nz. Nā te puna whakatongarewa, te hui i tautoko.